Welcome to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always broadcasting this show first on WPVM LP Asheville 103.7, streaming online, WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville. Heard all over the world and on other community radio stations like KCEIFM Cultural Energy Radio out of Taos, New Mexico. I'd like to thank Walter Parks for our theme song. Thank you, Walter Parks. WalterParks.com if you're interested in more of Walter's music. And if you would like to reach out to me, JamesNave.com. You can always reach me through my website. I would love to hear from you. As you know, if you've been listening to this show for a while, I have many guests on the show whom I've known for a long time. And some people I just get to know while I'm on air. Today I have a guest I've known for many, many years, 25 plus years. You might know her name, Julia Cameron. She's the author of The Artist Way, a book devoted to helping you free your creativity and simply become a more creative person. And for those of you who are hearing about The Artist Way for the first time, i just like to say the book has sold over 4 million copies, probably 5 million by now, and it's considered the seminal work on creativity in this age we're living in now. Julia and I met in Boulder, Colorado in 1995, and we connected over the idea of poetry. And from there, Julia asked me to come down to Taos and help her produce the Artist Way Creativity Camp, which we did produce, and we held many Taos Creativity Camps over the years. After that, Julia and I have stayed in touch and visited and occasionally overlap professionally, but mostly we've remained friends. So it's my pleasure to welcome Julia Cameron to Twice Five Miles Radio. Welcome, Julia. Good to hear you. It's a happy thing to talk with you. I always feel that you're so eloquent. It cheers me up. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad that that you feel that way. When you and I first met, and I often tell people about that, there was a snowstorm happening in Boulder and you had done a workshop. And one of the reasons we connected was because you and I had poetry in common. And we also spoke of your hometown, Chicago. And you told me you had been on the mic at the Green Mill at at a poetry event. And of course, I had the similar experience there as well. And and after that, you and I exchanged some poetry. So why don't we begin with our time together on a poetic note? And I know that you love poetry, and it's been a part of your life since you were a young writer early, early on. So talk a bit with us about your relationship to poetry and how it has informed the work that you've done over your career. Well, I feel like poetry is my secret vice. I write poetry whenever I'm at my wit's ends. Whenever I have an overwhelming crush, I write poetry. Whenever I have despair, poetry ventilates feelings. I find myself expressing things in poetry that I hesitate to express in prose just because poetry serves better. So I'd like to read a couple of poems. You can gauge for yourself if I missed my calling. I sometimes think I should have been a full-time poet because that's where my heart is. 
This poem is called Remembering. I was not there when your mother bore you. Surely you came into this world hungering and wet. We all do that. Surely you came like the rest of us from that dark sea of souls, that sighing that brings us forth and calls us back. We all share that. If this is true, and it is, even for you, why are you a broken glass smashed against the floor? Why not the sea's grass on the ocean floor? Why not a smooth stone, a willow in the wind? Why do you break, not bend? And even broken, why not mend? You do know how. Walk with me to the edge of the city. Take off your shoes and feel the earth. It is softer than a woman. It is safer than your father. It is water. It is air. It is where you are returning with this yearning you can't name. Cast off your shame. It's an old coat. Remember who you are. You are a star, a mountain, that fountain in the sun. Your heart is the velvet cave where birds sing. Are you remembering? Thank you, Julia. Do you have another one you could offer us? Come to me. There is no darkness in which I cannot see you. Come to me. My green heart holds your ancestors. They are waiting to hear your dreams. Speak to them. They know your name. Do not imagine you are alone. Do not imagine they have left you. They are listening, waiting for your voice. Come home. All of us are waiting. Every bird remembers you. The lion in his pride still knows your name. The gazelle, the snake, the silver heron lifting at the shore. All these and more, your family. Come back to me. You do not need to grind your bones to dust, rust in your heart. You are known to us. Only come home. Thank you, Julia. In that last poem, you said they are listening. And one of the things I've always enjoyed about poetry is that it requires attention, awareness. In the artist way, you early on and talk about awareness, paying attention to things. And it also asks us to listen, listen with our ears and listen with all the other senses as well. I remember when you and I have done some things together over the years, in the middle of your teaching, you would often stop and say, I'm going to pause for a moment and listen. And then you would cock your head to the side and listen and you nod your head and you'd come back and maybe you'd change course or you would have a comment that you had heard from your listening. So how does listening dovetail with poetry? And how does that work for you as a poet? Well, I think I'm listening for the sound beyond the sound. I'm listening for what you might call a secret message. I'm listening for a hint of where I'm meant to go. 
I think that poetry opens an inner door and that all of us listening to poetry have a feeling of deeper connection. I'd like to read you another poem. I believe we have a lot of mythology that says poetry is written out of pain, but I believe poetry is written from ecstasy. So I'm going to read you a couple poems. For this poem, I want you to pretend I'm a man. It was written initially for a wonderful talent named Tim Weeder, and it's called Pear. It's like this. There is a pear on the table. Its flank is every woman I have ever known. There are flowers in a vase by the window, peonies, lilacs, anemones, tulips. Their petals are every woman I have ever known. The flesh of the pear, the scent of the flower, the soup boiled down from parts. Our hearts are like this, the mixture as before, but one thing more, you are my water. So the following poem I wrote when I was falling in love. Uh, and it sort of celebrates the incredible bliss you feel when you connect to another spirit, when you really connect. It's called Jerusalem is Walking in This World. This is a great happiness. The air is silk. There is milk in the look that comes from strangers. I could not be happier if I were bread and you could eat me. Joy is dangerous. It fills me with secrets. Yes, kisses in my veins. The pains I take to hide myself are sheer as glass. Surely this will pass. The wind, like kisses, the music in the soup, the group of trees laughing as I say their names. It is all Hosanna. It is all prayer. Jerusalem is walking in this world. Jerusalem is walking in this world. Beautiful. And poetry comes from ecstasy rather than pain. That is true for me, and I do love it when a poet comes from that place, that place of, of love, of expansion. And so as you move through your work and, and your career, how often are you able to generate more poetry in these moments of change? Well, poetry comes to me like a nighttime visitor. It comes knocking at my door, whispering, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. Uh, and so I stop, I pause, I listen, and I write down what I hear. I would say, we talk a lot about the muse. Uh, and typically people think of the muse as being a female figure. But my experience as a heterosexual woman uh, is that the muse for me has been a man. Uh, and when a muse comes close to me, 
I get all fluttery. <laughs> and being fluttery, I take to the page. So somebody out there listening to this conversation you and I are having, they may be thinking, oh, wow, I would love to take to the page too. I think you've already given a fair amount of encouragement in that direction. Do you have any thoughts you'd like to say to the poets out there who are maybe just thinking about answering the, the call, the muses' um, knock, or the, the whisper in the evening or at night? Well, I think it's important to keep one ear cocked to the universe. I think poetry is expansive, and we may dream a larger dream than we live. And what happens with poetry is that we're suddenly given words for a bigger self. I think I'd like to read another poem in, in answer to your question, how do you get bigger, big enough to write poetry? We are all Africa, the moist darkness, the beast moving through the trees. We are jungle, waterfall, the pitch screaming of a bird we cannot name. I am the light on the flank of that mountain looming above the plain purple as a bruise. What is there to lose? I am the okapi, leaping in the air, and that there, the great and quiet snake, larger than a tree limb, draped across our path. We all change shape. In the morning light, I am bright in my darkness. Panther is just another word for night. You've got that right. That is part of me. But we are all Africa. And it is not the dark which makes this right. There, from that still lake, see the shape I make? A rosy pink that rises like applause. I sheath my claws. I feather my furred nest. This is the best. I wheel like music. We are all that winged thing. We are all Africa. If I can say it, so can you. The rain comes across the plain on legs like mine. We are all Africa. Oh, that was very, very nice, Julia. Thank you so much for reminding us that we can all be big like the continent of Africa. And as you delve into your poetry, You've already told us that you're listening in a way that you've learned to listen over many, many years. So could you expand a bit on how listening plays into this, this work you're doing as a poet, also as a creative, as a writer, as a, a person who is called to sit every day in the writing practice and make things happen? How does listening play into all of that work that you're doing and that you continue to do and are enthusiastically finding wonderful success all along the way. Well, I think this is a good cue for me to talk to you a little bit about my most recent book, The Listening Path. It is a book entirely devoted to the art of listening. It has six parts. 
It opens with three tools from the artist's way that people are familiar with. They are morning pages, which is listening in the morning to what crosses your mind and writing it down. Artist dates, which is an expedition once a week to do something festive where you listen for your delight. Uh, and walking, where you connect to your environment and hunches, intuitions, and guidance. So those three tools open the book. Then we have chapter one, listening to your environment. Uh, and what we find uh, is that very often we don't listen to our environment. We have a soundscape that we are largely unconscious of. And so we may start the day with a very unpleasant shrill from the alarm clock. Uh, and instead of going to get an alarm clock with a nicer shrill, we just sort of tune it out and bear with it. So throughout the day, we have many subtle sounds, the ticking of the kitchen clock, the chime of the dog's dog tags against the water bowl, uh, the um, honking of horns when we drive to work. So I ask you to keep track of these sounds uh, and ask yourself, can I change anything to give myself a more pleasant soundscape? So you may take a busy road to work with lots of honking horns uh, and you say to yourself, oh, I could take a different route, a quieter route. Uh, and you do that uh, and you have a sense of power and connection. So connecting to your environment gives you a heightened awareness of your own place in the scheme of things. The second chapter is a chapter about listening to others. Uh, and what we find is that we don't listen to others. We, we tend to interrupt them uh, and say what we think they're going to say next. Uh, and so what I ask you to do is to focus on holding your tongue, on not interrupting, on listening to hear what your partner really has to say. Uh, and what we find uh, is that they have fascinating things to say. They have a, a great deal of story, uh, which only comes to mind when we're quiet. So listening to others is the second week and it gives us a heightened sense of connection we listen to others with body language uh, as well as language of the tongue. So then the third one is listening to our higher self. Uh, and very often we don't listen to our higher self. Uh, we have an issue and we think, who can I ask about this? Uh, and we cast about for our acquaintances for an expert rather than saying to ourselves, maybe I know the answer to this question. Maybe I have wisdom. Maybe I should be listening to myself. 
So when we listen to ourselves, we come away with a heightened sense, I would say, of gratitude for our own wisdom. The fourth chapter is one I was terrified of. Uh, I wrote it and I thought, oh, Julia, your readers are going to think you're too woo-woo. Uh, and <laughs> it's a chapter called Listening Beyond the Veil. And in it, I talk to making contact with people who have passed on that we loved, that we can still hear from them, still talk to them, that we have a connection, that it isn't gone with the physical passing of the body, that it remains a part of the ethers. And I talk particularly about two women, a woman named Jane Cecil, who is an actress, uh, and Jane was a mentor of mine in New York, uh, and I talk to her every day. Uh, and I talk to Jane now, and she sounds just like Jane. Uh, I listen, and she says, I'm right by your side. There's no error in your path. There's no need for anxiety. You are led well and carefully. And she's very reassuring. Then I talk to Alberta Hanstein, whom you remember, Nabe. Uh, Alberta Hanstein raised championship Morgan horses. Uh, and she still talks like she's in a horse show ring. She'll say to me, Julia, you're a champion. I give you a blue ribbon. Uh, and um, so she sounds positive and affirming. Uh, and she says, I give you stamina and grace. Uh, and I experience stamina and grace when I ask for help from Alberta. So I taught in London uh, and uh, I was dreading week four. I thought they're, they're going to just say you're crazy. But what I found was that week four was their favorite week of the book. Uh, that people had just been waiting uh, for someone to come along and give them permission to connect. So week four is listening beyond the veil. Week five is listening to your heroes. This is when you connect to people whom you admired, but you didn't know. So I'm a lyricist and I connect to Oscar Hammerstein. <laughs> but as an animator, you might connect to Walt Disney. As a poet, you might connect to Rumi. You connect to your heroes and you're often a little bit worried that you're bothering them. They're perfectly happy in the afterlife. Uh, and you're tapping on their shoulder saying, oh, but what about me? Um, but what I have found is that they are delighted to hear from you. Uh, and they answer promptly and clearly uh, and with a great sense of grounded wisdom. So that's week five which brings us around the clock to week six, which is listening to silence. Uh, because what I have found uh, is that when we listen to silence, we actually hear sound. 
we we hear the still small voice. Uh, and um, I have a friend who is terrified of silence. Uh, and I said, oh, please just try it. Uh, and he said, Julia, you don't understand. I have my radio, I have my TV, I have my internet, I, I have all my devices. And you're asking me to be quiet? And I said, yes, try it for two minutes and call me back. So we hung up uh, and I waited two minutes listening to silence myself. Uh, and uh, the phone rang and it was my friend Jerry calling and he was excited. And he said, well, it was terrifying, but I tried it. Uh, and I got the best idea for work this week. And I said, well, that sounds like inspiration. Do you think you'll try it again? And he said, well, actually, I need inspiration. So I will try listening to silence. So that's the listening path. Thank you, Julia. And if you don't mind, I'd like to pause for just a moment and say you are listening to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave, always broadcasting first on WPVM LP, Asheville 103.7, streaming online, WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville, heard all over the world and on other community radio stations like KCEI-FM, Cultural Energy Radio out of Taos, New Mexico. Thank you, Walter Parks, for our theme song, Walter Parks. If you'd like to know more about Walter's music, if you would like to reach out to me, jamesnave.com is a great place to start. I would love to hear from you, especially if you have any if you have any questions about your work in the artist way or questions about the artist way in general. You can always email me through my website, jamesnave.com. I would love to hear from you and hear your stories about creativity. So now let's return to my conversation with Julia Cameron, author of The Artist Way. And work with it and as usual the more I work with it the deeper I go so I really really do appreciate your work there I'm wondering when you talk about the the people that you admire the heroes the people you look up to like say Rumi or or other poets or whomever and then I'm also thinking about the people you listen to as your friends beyond the veil and I've known you and admired you for this for years. You have that ability. And I'm wondering if people out there listening who may not have had the same comprehensive experience you've had communicating beyond this dimension we're in, is it something that one can just sit in silence and practice? And and there must be lots of ways to hear from the people you love who've gone on other than just maybe hearing it as I might hear your voice right now. So is your question, how hard is it to learn to listen? That's the question. And I think it's much easier than we would imagine. I have a girlfriend, a, a psychic intuitive author named Sonia Choquette. Uh, and Sonia is a fourth generation psychic. Uh, and she scolds me. She says, 
don't think it has to be difficult to hear beyond the veil. It's natural, it's normal, it's easy. Just try it. So what the book does is invite people to just try it. Uh, and what I found uh, is that people come back delighted uh, with a sense of greater possibility. One of the things I've been trying, which is a, an extension, or maybe in addition to what you're talking about, I've been listening to the trees, and I've been communicating, at least attempting to communicate with the with the ravens and the and the crows and the animals that are around. It's a wonderful thing to think that we can just listen to all kinds of of creatures out there, including the ones who have passed on that we call human. Yes, I think listening may be an art, but it's an art that is easily practiced. Uh, and the tool at the beginning of the book, walking, invites us to listen, as you said, to trees, to ravens, to hawks, to many different creatures and many different levels of creatures. Uh, and I think that it's with a feeling of celebration that we connect. Uh, and I think that the celebration is that we are all part of a greater whole. You have a great body of work, speaking of a greater whole, many, many offerings that lots and lots of people have enjoyed, learned from, expanded their lives. They've learned to listen, as I have, working with, with your material. And now we're in this we're in this emerging time. We're coming out of this pandemic. And I recently had the opportunity to facilitate a course based on your book, It's Never Too Late to Begin Again. I had lots of people in the workshop who were younger, younger being 37, 40, not retiring. And that book is focused on, on the people who who are retiring. And it dawned on me that we have all, in a sense, been retired by this, this collective experience we've had. So as you are moving forward in, in your work, I, I would love for you to reflect on, on how you are calibrating your thinking. And an, an, a big compliment that I got from a lot of the students in direction of the work you're doing now, and I, I will echo that and second that, to say that in that book, um, The Listening Path, which I have and I've been reading, and also It's Never Too Late to Begin Again, You've always been able to put layers into every paragraph. It's very easy to read and easy to embrace. And yet when I go back and read it a second time, I see an, another layer and another and another. And in the work you're doing now, I'm, I'm spotting more and more layers, a level of awareness that can only come from a rich career. So how are you engaging in your work during this time? Well, I'm doing something interesting for me. 20 years ago, when we knew each other, I wrote a book called The Right to Write. Uh, and you may remember that you figure prominently in The Right to Write. Mm -hmm. I, I talk about 
my friend, the poet James Nave. So it's 20 years later, and I'm one more time writing about writing. Uh, and I find uh, that what has happened to me over the 20 years that have passed is that I have greatly mellowed. I'm much more tender-hearted. I'm much more vulnerable. So I'm every day I write on the writing book, uh, and I find myself hoping that when I have finished it, it will connect with people. They will read it and say, "Oh, I never thought of writing that way." Well, on that note, there are a lot of people listening to this show who write, and many probably would like to begin writing. Perhaps you might have some thoughts for folks that are wanting to to write. We've already talked about how to engage the poetry, and now that we've turned our attention to your, your new book, perhaps you have some thoughts on writing as well. Well, I think, um, I, think I want to go to a poetry and I remember saying to you that it was born in ecstasy uh, and that my muse were masculine. I saw a stag in the city, velvet horned, sweat soaked, reeking musk and manure. Alone at dawn, he made his way north. Every cloven hoofprint a cleft promise in the snow. Oh, how I miss your animal breath, the casual warmth of your body. I saw a stag in the city. We speak in tongues, my mouth to your ear, your ear to my mouth. We speak in tongues, use body English. Mouth to mouth, heart to heart, parts of speech, each. Our every slip of the tongue is graceful. Our best syllables are silent. We speak in tongues. Our skins make conversation. Talk to me. This is a poem for unrequited love. I fell in love and he didn't fall in love back. Uh, and I found myself writing a poem about that uncomfortable fact. You are a far country. Wind is the native tongue. Distance is the custom. Out of touch is the rule of thumb. It would take body English to cross your borders successfully. The natives all play dumb. In my country, there is tea, sandwiches, a softly played piano, 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 pianissimo. In your country, there are drums. The drums through the trees sound to my ear like thunder. Your body shudders with the same drawn-out note. All my niceties, the tastes I've acquired, get mired down in the thick of your tricky weather. 
or slide away. I watch my tea cart skid across the floor. When I ask you more, I do not mean anything we drink from a china cup. And there is not enough. In your country, dark is more visible than day. Only fly by night can get it right. Flying blind over jungle with no place to land. You reach from the open cockpit to feel rain on your hand. That took me back to Africa a bit. Somehow I had the image of small plane, bush pilot flying it, or maybe landing it somewhere in Africa and putting the hand out and the, the warm rain of Africa falling on the hand. Poetry must be informing this book you're writing now about writing. The images in your poetry are always vivid, and you present those images and the ideas in a very vulnerable way. I'm, I'm wondering if you think vulnerability might sit at the gate of writing. Well, I think vulnerability, as you put it, sits at the gate to writing. We have a mythology that says that writers are tough, invincible, steely. But my experience is actually that writers are tender. Uh, and that when we write from the heart, we connect. What I'm trying to do with this book is urge people to connect to their heart and by connecting to their heart, connect to their audience. A lot of times we think, I don't want to write it. What if nobody wants to read it? What I say is just try writing it and trust that there will be an audience. And there is. That's very true. And you said earlier in our conversation that you wondered if maybe you had missed your calling and should have been a professional poet instead of a professional writer. One of the things I like about poetry is that it very little of us except to just be within our poetic sensibilities. And it will dwell within us as easily as we can connect to it. So there's no commercial requirement with poetry. There's only the invitation to show up and, and maybe only write two words. Just be there as, as you are with your work. I'd like to say that one of the fruits of our friendship was that I was able to urge you to go for a master's degree in poetry. I remember when we first talked about it, you were like, Julia, I can't do that. But then what happened was you realized you couldn't not do that. Uh, and that you had a great hunger for more information about poetry. So you enrolled in a master's program and tutored yourself in the wonderful poets that we have practicing today. I remember you encouraging me. I have to go a little further to say then, I have to go a little further here and say, 
you were the one who convinced me to do that. It was it went well beyond encouragement. And you were so insistent. And I remember we were at your house and I was hemming and hawing. And you said, call them now. And I called and got a good reception. And a week later, you may not remember this, a week later, I was at the library in downtown Taos. And you pulled in right behind my car and you got out and you said, Nave, I have something for you. I said, well, what is it? Here's your reference letter, which I still have in my drawer here in Taos. And it was a fantastic letter. And I included that in my application. And you said, now you have no more excuses. Send that application tomorrow. And I said, okay. And so you are the one who talked me into doing that. I would not have done it. I was in a massive as you wrote in The Artist's Way all those years ago, I was in a massive creative U-turn curve and you straightened me out and said, go do that and don't give it another thought. And I did. So I thank you to this day for encouraging me to do that, Julia. I don't know if you remember that story or not, but that was how it happened for me. I think we have come full circle. Uh, you had a poem called The Road. Mm-hmm that was for many years a manifesto of yours. Uh, and you had a dog named Traveler mm -hmm. uh, and you and Traveler took to the road and spread poetry wherever you went. Uh, and now you've had 14 months of being in one place uh, and I find you're still spreading poetry. True, yeah. When I was getting ready to do this interview, the only thing I could think about was Julia's just got to bring her poems to the, got to bring her poems to the show. And that's where you and I started. And I'm glad that we are staying in that, in that vibe. And that poem about the road, it started out, the road is in love with me. She comes turning out of my childhood, twisting through my morning, interrupting my picnic. She taps when I'm asleep like a kitten, wishfully waiting for the door to open. I'm always dreaming of her. As a child, I would stand beside her and watch her as she stretched in the summer afternoon, so concrete, so eternal. As a young man, she held my hand and carried me through the gate, past my school with its oak wooden floors and wide eastern views, past my church, so small now, inadequate steeple, stained glass windows, Past gardens with corn so high, I'm sure it only grew to give the wind a place to go. Past my father's blows and mother's easy words, carried me away from home until I stand before you right here today, breathing and alive. The road is in love with me. And that's a long a poem I wrote years ago. And I've been off the road now, but the poetry road belongs to all of us. Belongs to you and to me and, and to the rest of us. So in closing, do you have a poem you would like to take us out on, Julia? I'd love to hear one last poem before we say goodbye. This poem is called Why We Write. There are many things which resist naming, and that is why we write. We write because language is slippery and truth is. We write because the light we have to see by is always shifting. Never forget that writers are prophets. We speak in tongues, 
we testify. We are for each other a believing mirror. Our words make us visible. Our listening makes us heard. Never forget that writers are soldiers. Our writing is the long march, the walk into time. Each word is a drum. We sound it across great distances, reaching one another and ourselves. Every poem is a day's march, a celebration more necessary than water or wine. Every poem is a drink of blood. Never forget that writing is an act of courage, not on the days when it is simple and we discount it, not on the days when it is hard and we write like sand. Our words are torches. We pass them hand to hand and mouth to mouth like a burning kiss. Never forget to say thank you. Every syllable is a grace. That's a wonderful way to close a poem. Every syllable is a grace. It's such a pleasure to swap the poetic vibe back and forth with you, I have to say. I just feel that we have a connection to sound too woo-woo through ESP. We, we connect to our audience uh, and we have a feeling of great grounding. Uh, and I'm grateful for the chance to talk. Uh, and I'm grateful that we've remained friends these many years. Grateful that you write poetry. And I'm grateful that, that for the same thing, I'm, I'm always thankful to hear from you. And sometimes you'll ring me in, the, in a time when I'm just standing there, maybe even thinking about you. And I'm equally grateful that you write poetry and that you were willing to bring such a volume of work to this hour. I really appreciate that. And I'm thankful that, that we've had this friendship all these years. It's a pleasure to have you in my life and also a pleasure to have you on, on this show. So thank you for all of that. I really appreciate it. And before we say goodbye, for people out there listening, if they would like to learn more about your work and your workshops and the things that you're involved in, how could people learn more? JuliaCameronLive.com has my plays posted and my music posted. Uh, and it's under a category called Julia's Art. I have a colleague who's going to be on the show with you soon named Nick Kapustinsky. Uh, and Nick is a marvelous poet and a marvelous actor. Uh, and if you're curious about my plays uh, and his acting, I urge you to go to JuliaCameronLive.com. All right. Thanks for that, Julia. And again, thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. And that, my friends, was my conversation with Julia Cameron, poet and author of The Artist Way. During this interview, you heard Julia and also heard me reference her book, The Artist Way. If you know that book, you know what an important contribution The Artist Way is to the ideas that have formed around creativity in the last 25 years. To date, The Artist Way has sold over 4 million copies, likely 5 billion by now. 
So it would be fair to say that Julia Cameron accomplished something that few people are able to accomplish. She wrote a book that changed a domain. A domain changer is someone who invents something or promotes an idea or presents an idea that changes the entire cultural view of how that idea is expressed within the culture itself. I mean, in a sense, we're all domain changers. It's just really a matter of scale. For example, you may have come up with an idea that completely transformed your community. So it would be fair to say that you were a domain changer within that community. Coming back to the idea of scale, you can be a domain changer on a small scale or a large scale. A small scale might be within your family unit. A little larger scale might be within your community. Among the many reasons why the artist way is so effective, giving is maybe at the top of the list. When Julia wrote The Artist Way, my impression is that she wrote it as her gift to the world, and by extension, her gift to you. It was a bit like the small rock in the lake, which ripples out and ripples out further and further until it covers the entire lake. And now, all these years later, the ripples continue. And when people work with The Artist Way, they simply become more creative. I've been teaching Artist Way classes for 25 years, ever since I met Julia in 1995. And most of the people who take the classes, they come into the work with a desire to explore their creative potential, their creative range. Some people I know are just absolutely happy to sit down at their kitchen table and write poetry and read it to their family or to their friends. Some people pick up the camera. They haven't had a camera in their hands for God knows how many years, and they decide, well, I'll, I'll just start taking pictures. Of course, today, we all have professional-level cameras in our pockets, the smartphones, of course, within easy reach. So when someone starts to work with the artist way, and they start maybe to think about how much they enjoy taking pictures 20, 25 years ago, back in the days of film and 35-millimeter cameras, they might rethink the way they take those photographs every day. The artist way work would maybe encourage them to rethink how to shoot a great photo on a smartphone. And they might step out into the morning, and instead of letting the flowers just pass them by on their way to work, they might stop and frame the shot and take a picture of the flowers in front of their house. Perhaps before they took the photo, a thought arose. Wonder what it would look like as a photograph. Let me try and see. They held up the smartphone and took the photograph, and lo and behold, it looked great. This photograph taken in the front lawn on the way to work with a smartphone could be the beginning of a career in photography, a, a newfound career, a second career. So maybe later in the day, they take another picture. And one picture leads to another. Then maybe they decide to invest in an editing program. And after the editing program, perhaps they invest in a tripod and on and on it goes to become a profession or possibly a treasured hobby. Who knows? Regardless of the direction, the artist way encourages creativity and enthusiasm. And as you probably already know, enthusiasm can carry you into joy. Whatever it is people want to do, they already really know what it is. 
they want to do. And the artist way gives them the permission to do it. The tagline on the artist way is a spiritual path to higher creativity. And when you're doing creative work, you connect to something that feels beyond you. But this spiritual path to higher creativity is a wonderful idea because we each have our own spiritual path to follow. How can we be the same when we're all so different? And yet the creative experience has a similar vibe amongst, amongst all of us, which is one of the, the joys of moving forward creatively. Creativity actually is one of the most abundant resources we have. The entire earth is built around the notion of creating, of making things, of emerging propositions. Consider the small hummingbird, how far that hummingbird flies in migration. How does the hummingbird know where to go? I suspect the hummingbird doesn't worry about it. I suspect the hummingbird just has a sense of when to start flying, and the hummingbird flies in migration all the way to its home in the south. Or when it has the moment to turn around and fly back north, it does exactly the same thing. The hummingbird knows. And one of the things that makes the artist way work so effective, the artist way work points out to all of us that we know too. We, in a sense, have a lot in common with a hummingbird. In the artist way, Julia asks all of us to just simply show up at the page, simply write something. And of course, she offers great tools to do it, like morning pages and artist dates, which Julia has already touched on in this interview. So indeed, Julia did write a domain-changing book, The Artist Way, and it does work to scale, which is to say, if you have something you would like to do creatively and you would like to do it privately, never share it with anyone. The Artist Way will help you engage that. On the other hand, if you have desires to take your work public, to go in the professional arenas and present your work to many, many people, the artist way will help you find the, the grounding that will allow you to move forward, the foundation, if you will. And when you start to connect with your creativity and practice your creativity, other people notice it. It influences people, makes other people feel good. Your work will ripple out like that one stone in the large lake. So your creative work becomes more than just something about you. It becomes a gift you can share to the world. In a sense, you become a creative leader. Perhaps you only lead your children. Perhaps your children see you doing, doing your work and they find the work to be so compelling and they're so proud of you. They start doing their own work and they find their own way creatively. So those little tiny things that can happen within the family are hardly little at all. They're gigantic, like Mount Everest or any other grand mountain that you see. So we don't have to go big and large and public to really have a significant impact on the people around us. And that is why creativity is so important these days. That's why whatever you feel like you would like to do, it's worthy and it's good. 
And I certainly encourage you to do it. And as you've learned in this interview with Julia, she encourages you to do it too. I do mine with poetry. Julia practices her creativity with poetry, music, and writing. So whatever you sense is your creative destiny, I encourage you to go ahead and, and follow it. Follow that path. Let it take you wherever it takes you. And on that note, and in closing, I would like to say thank you for listening to Twice Five Miles Radio, fertile ground for conversations worth listening to and remembering. I'm your host, James Nave. We're always broadcasting this show first on WPVMLP Asheville 103.7, streaming online, WPVMFM.org, the voice of Asheville, heard all over the world and on other community radio stations as well, like KCEI-FM, Cultural Energy Radio, out of Taos, New Mexico. And we've spent a great deal of delightful time this hour talking with Julia Cameron, author of The Artist Way, all about creativity. JuliaCameronLive.com, that's Julia's website, JuliaCameronLive.com, if you would like to know more about the work that she's doing. If you would like to reach me, JamesNave.com, Nave is spelled N-A-V-E. If you have questions about creativity, have questions about The Artist Way, or would just generally like to... Tell me a story about something that you're doing creatively. Love to hear from you. So, jamesnave.com. You can always email me through that site. I'd like to thank Walter Parks for our theme song, walterparks.com, if you're interested in any of Walter's music. And I'd like to tip my hat to Davine Dial, WPVMFM's station manager. Such good work you do, Davine, and we appreciate it because it allows us to carry these programs to community radio stations all over the country, and that's a good thing, I think. So wherever you are out there listening, I hope your creativity flourishes. I hope you find your way artistically, and if you've already found your way, I hope you continue on it with great joy and enthusiasm. And like I said earlier, if you have a creativity story you'd like to tell, jamesnave.com, that's my website. You can email me through that website. We'd love to hear that story. What's up with your creativity? So there you go. We finished our show for today. Thank you, Julia Cameron, for being with us. And thank you ever so much out there listening wherever you are. I really do appreciate it. And please do tune in again next time. Until then, I'll catch you on that turnaround somewhere down the line.